I wanna I wanna welcome the Chasna and Kala and thank Avrami and Estella for being here. There's, there's two parties we make for Chasna and Kala. There's a Mechayim and a Vert. Vertim are complex. How to have a good Vert? What is a Vert? The Lechayims are always magical because they're the moment, like, that's when it happens. And Lechayims, there's no, you don't have to plan for a Lechayim. A Lechayim you don't plan for. The Simcha's like happening and the Lechayim explodes. It happens. You don't have to plan for a Chasna because you get married that night. The Simcha's very natural. A Vard is much more complex. But the Lechayim and the Chasna, the Simcha, the Lechayim is when... Erisim, I shouldn't say Erisim, but Tanayim, that there's a there's a deal of getting married, the decision to get married, and the Lechayim explodes. Understand by a lot of Hasidim at the Vert, they do, they actually do a Tanayim. That makes the most sense. By Hasidim do a Tanayim, the Baal Shem Tev says, and it's brought in the Paiskim. It's one of the only Baal Shems quoted by the Naisei Kalim and Shulchan Aruch, bring the Baal Shem. He says after a Tanayim, it's worse to break off a Shirach after a Tanayim than after the Chasna. So by the Chasidim, the, the Vard is a Tanayim, is, is the Tanayim. And there's a, by the Litvish, Vardim are complicated. But Lechayim is at the moment of the Simcha. We had a version of a Lechayim right in here when the word went out. It happened to have been in the middle of Musr that Avrami is a chassin. There was like an explosion here. So I'm happy. The chassin and Kala right at this spot where the explosion happened. The guys heard of Avrami's becoming a chassin. I want to say that the Simcha, besides being a personal Simcha for me, and a personal simcha for everybody here for what we feel to Avrami, there's a tremendous, tremendous gratitude. I was worried that the Kala would get attitude today because people also have a sense of you're stealing Avrami from us. We're human beings. We're human beings. Ezra Shulman, Ezra Shulman in his famous speech in Fort Log, described that I have a sadness leaving the yeshiva. He said, of course I'm happy and confident where I'm going and excited. But we're human beings capable of a range of emotions. It's in, in this simcha, and this tremendous, tremendous simcha, we're allowed to also feel, shucks, Avram is leaving, and there is that feeling that wouldn't be honest not to acknowledge. But you get good reactions here, Kala, because we, overall, we care about Avrami and we're thankful that he's getting married and, and going to bring everything he brought here to a home. So it's a tremendous, tremendous simcha. There's a tremendous gratitude, and this is not Avrami's goodbye party, but this simcha and Avrami's departure are linked. Tremendous, tremendous gratitude to Avrami. The, the balance that he displays in being incredibly kind to guys, the amount of people he's helped emotionally, financially, in every which way. There's, when people are, Avrami is willing to spend to help the next person, it's just a sign. It's not about the money. It means that I'm willing to give it all. We say in Kriyashma to serve Hashem, Bechol Ma'idecha. Maidecha means your money, but it also means with all your ma'id, with all your, anything you get. Ma'id means what's ever unique, a lot. Azam lalakai ba'idi. I sing to Hashem with my uniqueness, with the aid shali, with my extras. B'chol ma'idecha means that you serve Hashem with everything that's unique to you, everything you get. Your personality, your everything serves Hashem. And Avrami, what he gives to the next person, 
what he's willing to do for the next person. His own coolness has helped the next person. This is a world of things that matter. This is a world. I was speaking to a Ben Taira. I was speaking to a Ben Taira yesterday, one of the big Ben Taira Yeshiva, and he was describing that physical things are important to him. And, and he was, we, we had a whole conversation. This is not a yeshiva, and, 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 and the, the Torah that we learn, the physical world matters a lot. Nice things matter. A beautiful Shabbos table is special. A, ta- a Shabbos table should be gorgeous. Nice things matter. There's a place for nice things. The altar of Nevaradik was very good looking. He cared about his good looks. He cared. You know why he cared? He was proud. He was happy. I heard this from my Rebbe, whose wife's a great-granddaughter, that it mattered his good looks because he was able to, it gave him a standing. He was able to impact using that. Gifts and physical gifts are the place that we could utilize this physical world to serve Hashem. And as such, physical gifts matter and are important. People have a line, and it's, it's, it might be rooted. I, uh, there's a wise person who says this is rooted in Christian thought. I get very weary. People say about somebody, after that nifta, they're in a better world. It's a very complex statement, because the Mishnah of us is ambiguous. In some ways it says, Of course, is tremendous rewards and a tremendous place, but it doesn't either put down this world. This world is a precious place. The Gra at the time of his patira was crying. He was reportedly, I don't know, he was holding, he was holding, I think it sits this, and he, and he was saying, I'm going to leave a world that for a few gratian, a few pennies, you could serve Hashem. The Gra was sensing that I'm leaving such a world. We have a very big value for this world and the things in this world. And they're all meant and designed by Hashem, a very important place of service of Hashem. And, and, and of course, they're both precious places, and it's, which is better. They each have aspects. This is the best place because it's a place you can serve Hashem with choice. We value the world. We're not mevatel and put down and beautiful things in the world. I was on a question and answer panel with Ray Sun and Shine Hanukkah. Somebody like asked, our kids see fancy things and the dinners of the organizations are gorgeous. Isn't that terrible? I, I bring my kids. I, we went on a beautiful Shabbos with my son and daughter this past Shabbos, my children this past a week ago, and it was beautiful, very fancy. Do you know, I thought it was very good for my kids to see that beauty and wonderful meals and things are set up to honor Shabbos. It's beautiful. There's a place for it. There's a place for all. A wonderful Shabbos table is life-changing, and it should be set up really nice. I went through different periods in my life. I went through a period, period that I don't like bottles on the Shabbos table. I thought it so, you wouldn't have a class, you wouldn't have a, the whole, t- my wife's table set up beautifully, then I put my bottle of Coke. So I bought, I went and bought these fancy, like, contain, these fancy, um, what would you call them, glasses, Canter. decanters, like, that you could pour the, 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 the soda, and I'm back to soda bottles, because 
because lemais, when you pour them in, all the fizz leaves and it's not as good soda. And people deserve good soda. So then you clear what to do, how to do. But a beautiful Shabbos table is very, very important. It should look nice. The covet of it was celebrating the Shechina. And there's a tremendous place for nice things. A guy in yeshiva is a good ball player. It's not to put it down and be mevatel. Ah, sport, schmorts, what are you talking? Hashem designed things. In our world, a guy's a good athlete, people look up to. You know how much he could do with the good athletics? I read the book about Mike Tress. There was a tzaddik who lived in America. All the G'daylam held him. His name was Mike Tress. And Mike Tress, in the book about him, he was a big tzaddik. His grandchildren, we were learned in this yeshiva. A few, three grandchildren, I believe, of Mike Tress learned in this yeshiva. This, and then they wrote a book. They called him Mike. I think that's the name of the book about Mike Tress. In that book about Mike Tress, they, they called him Mike. In that book, I recommended read. I read it when I was young. I don't remember the book, but I remember being moved by the book. And I remember they had a store. They called him Mike. Thank you, Nachum. They called him Mike. And I remember. Yeah, yeah. Any cheer he deserves, let me tell you. <laughs> that's a book that's being written, an amazing book, an incredible kiddush of mine. But the, they called the Mike's a book about Mike Tress. In the book, it speaks about a home run that he hit on Shiva Asabitamas. There's a fast day in the summer, starts the three weeks, and he hits some home run in Camp Agoda. Now, at first, that's in a book, a book celebrating that which is eternal. Would you write that on his epitaph? You'd write that on his tomb? He had a home run and, and Shavas Thomas. That's what you'd write? I guess epitaph is the word of the day. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm probably saying, how do you say the word? Say it, say it. It is. Could you translate it for us there, what it translate? What translate? By which person time would have been Epitaph is, is how to remember a person. So that's the epitaph of Mike Tress, that he had a home run on Shivas and Batamas. That's like your recollection. At first, I was like taken aback, Shlomo. That's how you, but then when I thought about it, no. His home run is eternal because you know how many people are from today because of his home run? Camp Agoda, my father became a Bentire in Camp Agoda. My father was in a mixed school and he changed his life in Camp Agoda. So you know what? His home run, Rebelski, who was a great paddleball player, impacted my father. So Mike Tress's home run was very, very important. And I want to say about Avrami that there's nobody who brings out this points in a yeshiva that values a guy's an athlete, a guy can skateboard, can draw, a guy's good looking. A yeshiva that values the physical, it's not all junk. And Fakert, there's a mission to understand that the capacities, I saw guys on the skiing on the mountain list, and they could do, yes, they could do incredible things, that's important. There's a place for all different physical gifts. I saw this as Rabbi Yochanan's teaching to Reish Lakish. Reish Lakish was a bandit. It's my, maybe my favorite words in chess. Because Rabbi Yochanan says to Reish Lakish and changes history, he says your strengths to the Torah. I want to translate those words. Your strengths for the Torah. If I had to like sum up Waterbury, I would say those, if somebody wanted to make a two word, maybe it will go on the sweatshirts this year. Your strengths to the Torah. 
I want to explain it, Yosef. I wonder how many people saw Reish Lakish. Here you had a person who was physically gifted. That's open in Chazal. He jumped very far. He was very physically gifted. And his strengths, there was no place in the base Medrash. And he went, he was abandoned. And I'm sure many people gave Reish Lakish Musser, all different, Musser with love, with hate, with yelling, with, with all different tricks, and nothing worked. And one man looked at him, and he said, there's a place for your strengths right in the Torah. Chelach Lairaisa means in a world of Torah, all your strengths and capacity, there's a place in the world that it's meant to be expressed and utilize your strengths. And that idea of taking the physical gifts that we have and utilizing them right, here you have somebody who's with it, who is, is good at sports and ran a league and, and helped the whole yeshiva, did so many things for so many guys and used talents that give him standing and used that to give another person a good, to pick up, to uplift the next person. If somebody's a good athlete and he's respected because it, that's intended by Hashem. The Gemara says in Sukkah that rich people lose their money if they don't use the standing that the richness gave them to impact people. It's not an accident by Hashem, like didn't chap like a, a, a quirky thing. Each thing is designed by Hashem. Fagai has a standing. It always, it always frustrated me when big athletes said, I didn't ask to be like, I'm not a role model. What are you? What are you? And people like criticize the athlete, you're affecting our youth. He's denying facts. He's denying Hashem. It's a kfir. When he says, I didn't ask for this standing, that you're, you're, you're a kaifer, you're denying, God. there's a God who ran the world and gave you a talent that puts you and people look to you. Don't deny the facts. Take responsibility for what, the, what Hashem set up and utilize it for the betterment of others. So I want to say on the chasna of Rami, the impact that he's had, this is not his goodbye party, and Be'ez Hashem they'll yet be, but the impact that he's had in his run, he, he grew tremendously here and has given tremendous, tremendous amounts, the sensitivity, the coolness that's lifted up so many, the amount that Avrami brought here, the gratitude is immense. I want to wish a mazel tov to Avrami and Leia and thank Avrami tremendously for all that he's brought to the yeshiva. in this yeshiva, if we have somebody, and I like give a thank you, that the guys clearly aren't maskim. I want to thank, and I'll, we'll have some visiting luminary, and I like thank him in an awkward way, and the guys give like a cheer. Like one guy, and everybody's looking around, and this one, Tavrami, the guys are maskim. I love this crowd. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> amazing, amazing. Very honest crew and a very and 
you get it. You get it. So tremendous, tremendous appreciation, Avrami. I thought that it's appropriate. The cattle is here, the chassan, and this is this is Musavad, but I, I feel like the teachings that we're studying together and learning, the chassan lives them. The chassan lives the learnt teachings that we do that we that we're studying together. Avrami's always been an important, very, very attached to the Musr, the Yeshiva, to the ideals of the Yeshiva. I want Bidafka during this Musravad. I find it cool. I like these things mean a lot to me that the Yeshiva found out he was a chassan during Musr. That meant a lot. There was something that, there was ashkacha to that, because I feel Avrami is very, very tapped in to the, to the Torah that we learned together. He's very, very tapped in, and it meant something to me that Avrami was a chassan, was learned here. So I want to, with the kala here, with the chassan, I want to take a few minutes. I want to ask Shlomo Feldman, is a very, Shlomo is a close chaver of Avrami, and I want to ask, I did not give Shlomo much time to prepare, but I want it's not about prepared words. I wanted him to share really our gratitude to Avrami. I asked Shlomo to share some, some words about Avrami. I want to say about Shlomo and Avrami, their friendship. The yeshiva is a place of relationship and connection. Their friendship is dazzling. To see two people that are loyal and speak over a sugya together in honest and good friendship, and then what they accomplish together, both together giving to others, but leaning on each other and gaining chizik in each other. The guys know my thoughts about giving to young people is wonderful. It always has the danger of codependence. It always has the danger that in healing you, in helping somebody else, two people could say, I'll heal you and you heal me. And they could forget their own worries and wants. It's very important to me that dorm counselors here, as much as it's a huge force to give to somebody else, and you're allowed to feel good and you should feel good, but not in lieu of your own sugya. One of the best ways to fight codependence is to have a close chaver that you're sharing with, that you're leaning on, that you're speaking to, and you're working on your own sugya and their own friendship, and then they both in turn give to others is something that's remarkable. It's beautiful to see. So without further, I'm going to ask Shlomo to share. To share with so as um, Rebbe explained, obviously, you know, the, there were definitely when Avrami got engaged, there definitely were initial feelings of, you know, I'm losing my roommate. One, on the, the realistic aspect of he's probably my closest friend I have, I have here now. And also, you know, he does a lot with me regarding, you know, being in the dorm. And also for me personally, it was, it was definitely, um, it was definitely, you know, there was, there was mixed emotions. It was that aspect. And I would also say there was, there was an overwhelming amount of appreciation as well. Uh, you know, now the time is coming, you know, for me, isn't going to be here much longer. And the appreciation I was able to see and understand that I have for Rummy goes a really, really long way. Um, I just want to speak about... A couple things I think Rami for me I had the ability to be with a Rami I gained a couple things I would say I was able to learn from him a lot there's a lot I could learn from him and as well there was a lot he was able to help me out with just to say what I could learn from him the commitment he has for the yeshiva and the guys it's not it's not fake it's not it's not something really you could put into words it's just something you could see and me being there, being living with him, being his roommate, 
Also, he's, he's a phenomenal roommate, by the way. Phenomenal. He's amazing. Um, but just the things I, I could learn and see how he is on the day in, day out. Um, at all hours, he gets calls from guys just telling him what's going on. And it could be, he, could be, he could be legitimately busy, needing to deal with something. And someone calls him or someone needs him, and he's there for them. Like, nothing's going on in his life and nothing's going on in his world. And the commitment he has for... Especially looking around here, I, I would, you know, I would say conflict everyone in this room. Definitely, you know, there's guys he's closer with and not, but the commitment he has overall to Yeshiva is something I definitely, you know, inspire to be and something really, you know, whatever I'm doing in my life, I hope my commitment to that will be similar to that. Also, I want to speak about when, um, in a practical sense, you know, if you, anyone has a good friend, I hope, you know, hopefully everyone here is going to have a wife. Um, close friends, your parents, your siblings, whatever it is, any good relationship you have, you know, you always want the people to be pushing for you to either get better, for you to do what you need to do, for you to make sure you're feeling good, all those things in a practical sense, a very practical sense. Avrami has been amazing at that. Just say, I have a dentist appointment this Wednesday of getting my Invisalign. Um, I really didn't want to do it at all. And Avrami is a roommate, you know, he pushes me. That's the most practical thing. Like, your roommate pushing you to get Invisalign. But, like, it's a real thing. It really is. Like, it's huge. It's huge. So, Avrami, Avrami really has it all as, as to be an uh, anchor to someone else, anchor for himself. He brings it every single day for his friend. I'm sure he will for his kala as well. And, you know, I give him a bracha that his family and his kala and himself should just live a great, amazing life with love and happiness. I just want to say a few things. It's very short. Um, I think you're, I think you're one of the most sincere and caring people that I've ever met. And I know that you see me, you see me at some of my highs, but also some of my downs. And you've been there when you had, you had other places to be. And you cared, and I'm very thankful for that. And I, I wish you guys the best. I'm really happy for you guys. Thank you, Yako. Spot on. I don't know if it's like this everywhere, but definitely in our neighborhood, there's always like, there's cool kids. Like there's the, the cool kid. Avrami was definitely like that cool kid. Like always good at sports and the shul around the neighborhood, always there. And usually like the cool kid comes along with like the attitude. Like I'm the cool kid. Like Avrami never had any of that. Like there's definitely like a nice point in my life. Like I'm four grades younger than you, I think. 
and there's like a good like six seven month point that i was in like every single shabbos like in the garden house house so i turned there i was probably if i had to guess pretty annoying and <laughs> i never once felt not welcome there's never like a point that like it was like like yo like yo we're not down for you like leave like whatever um another thing like i definitely spoke to spoke to you about this like once like Thing that I respect Avrami most for is like growing up, like no matter where he was, like no matter what he was up to, how like where he was in life, there was never like any bad influence in the neighborhood. There was never like like there was never anything to like see or know. It was always like Avrami, like smiling Avrami, like the like that cool kid, like good kid. There was never anything to see. Um, and on, to be honest, I'm just jealous of your kids. Like that's like, <laughs> jealous, like to have you as a father. Um, Um, I'm very thankful to be to have somebody like Avrami like to look up to, like always like there. Like Shomo said, he's somebody that like like always like committed to like people. He's like always like there for guys. Like like it's not like it's not asked of you. It's, you're like some like you're just there for everybody. I'm thankful to have you. I want to make an appeal to Avrami. I'm hoping somehow we can have his Afraf here. So I don't want to go around the room. If, if the Afraf's here, we'll go around. <laughs> I'm enlisting the Kalalea to somehow have to speak to Avrami's parents. So we'll, we'll save. We'll save the rest of the drushes. But really, a tremendous, tremendous. That was a small sampling. Many, many more guys could speak. Avrami's friendships across the yeshiva. To all, to all of us, to watch his friendship with Mechi came here, Zevi, Zevi's closeness and, and Kesher Tavrami, really across the board, what, what um, Shalom said brilliantly, Yisrael Mayer came home one day a few months ago and he told my wife and I, he came home from school and he said he decided he doesn't want to be cool. He said, I don't want to be cool. So my wife and I asked him, interesting, an eight-year-old decided he doesn't want to be cool. Fine, like we're very, we're, we're comfortable to go at it all different ways. So he just doesn't want to be cool. So we asked him what the reason is, and he was reluctant to say. It was like a decision he thought about, and he's going to go, he's going to, to us, you know, to your own kid is always cool, but he's going to go the nerdy route we're in, like, no problem. But he decided he doesn't want to be cool. So we didn't know if we would get a further explanation. We do not try to press. You know, kid says, that's, that's cool. I like that he's, I think that's rather cool to think. And he decided he doesn't want to go the cool route. And like, let's say the gummer, excellent. We will button the top shirt. We'll, we'll have your pants go up too high, whatever you want. Like we're, we're down for this journey. But we asked him why he doesn't want to be cool. We asked him why he don't want to be cool. And he, like, he had thought about it, and he said, I don't want to be mean to people. I want to be nice to people. Whoa. And he, he felt like there's a sense that the cool guy has to like, he said, I don't want to be mean to people. That's, that was his decision. He doesn't want to be cool. So what Shalom pointed out, you have somebody who's with it and nice to others. is something that's precious, important. And Yisrael Mayer knows Avrami, so I think in his mind he's going to also be, end up being cool, maybe. But I'm really, really very, very good, Shalom. Thank you for sharing those words. Appreciate it.
He's appointing you at, at the Afruf that you'll speak at Avrami's Afruf. You're in, no, Mendy. Right now. Right now. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> this instant. You don't need to prepare. Now? Afruf, Afruf. Now? Off the top of my head, Avrami is someone I really look up to. Before I came to do it, become a dorm counselor, I spoke to Raquel. She said, speak to you guys and see what it's about. What I'm going to like it. And right away, I called Avrami. I, I feel like, I don't know if we're similar, but I loved his role as helping guys, running a lot, doing a lot. I spoke to him and he's like, He's not always the learning guy. He's not. He wants to make his part in in his life. He wants Yeshiva to be a big part, and he doesn't learn a lot. He learns more than most people, but he doesn't learn a lot. Not in a mean way. Obviously. Yes. I, I thought I connected that a lot. Even if you're not amazing at learning, even if you don't like learning, there's a lot more learning than actually learning. And wow. I thought that after he said that, I'm like, okay, fine. I'm in. I thought that was big. That's wonderful. Yeah! Just that Avrami, that's, that's a story that Avrami, that Avrami got us Mendy. That Avrami got us Mendy, little things that come out in speeches. That Avrami got us Mendy. I am thankful for that as well. And Mendy's. Okay, I have another son who decided to do it the cool way. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna ask Cody also, and then I'm gonna ask Cody also. The guys just want the guy, the chevra want to speak. Uh, Cody, let's hear. It. Before Woody starts, just going to get a little tough loss. Yeah, no, so it might, it might not come across well. Hootie <laughs> 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 and Nachum had a one-on-one, and if Nachum scored, he gets to be coach of the varsity next year with Menachem Braun. And so I do want to introduce the assistant coach. <laughs> Not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I was just me jumping in the snow top. What did you say? I was instead of me going uh, in the yeah, snow. Of course, it's either that or that. <laughs> <laughs> I think we still got to get into jumping. <laughs> <laughs> Take it away. No, I love people. Who's all Shalom was saying? It's funny. Maybe he's like the type of guy, like, he imagine like an athlete, like LeBron James, instead of when you ask him for his autograph, he's like, no, can I get yours? That's, that's, that's kind of like, whatever. Like, I can see that happening with Avrami. Excellent. But Avrami is like, if you see him in the water bear, he's very like, he could even be in a force in a very good way. Like he can get what he wants done. And DBL, he's could be, but it's always done with, always with tons of love. And 
it, that balance of he's very, he can get anything done, and he's very a balachrayas, get anything done, but it's always done with love, and but oh, that balance of getting everything done, while always with tons of love, is very, very cool. And how he balances that both, if you watch him in DBL, a lot of knees, wants, it's always, it's hard, you gotta, you gotta push people off a lot. And it's hard to run like that, especially with his dorm. But it's always done with tons of love, and that's a, he has a very cool balance like that. <laughs> you, you can't make this up. I was mechaven to my son when the kala came in. What did I tell you, Leo? Did I say the same thing as Huri? Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to share, we're getting close to the days of Purim. We have the extra happy occasion of a chasna and kala here. I want to share something that we've studied before, but I'm not saying last year's word. I want to study something very serious with the chevra here. Just now, just now, a guy who learned in yeshiva for many years and a family, somebody learned here many years and him and his wife had a child, had a son who the doctor said had like, no chance of survival. And there was the third child, they have two healthy kids, and they had a third son, and a whole mice and many, many doctors told them to abort the child. And they told them the child, there's like no, there's no chance of this child surviving, very little chance. They went to CHAP, which is considered in the field they were going as the best hospital in the country, and were told in that, that hospital as well that they should abort the child, that it's dangerous for the mother. The Allah is, if it can, it's called a Raydev, the Allah has the Allah of a Raydev. And there's a whole story of Amuna Lemaisa, the baby, today. Many people, many of us daven for Tinoik Ben Shoshana. And today the baby has a name. The baby's name is Chaim Nei Slevi. Is the baby three three names? The baby Hashem still needs Tvilas, Chaim Neis Lady Ben Shaishana. But the baby's progressing beautifully, really beautifully. For a child, the doctor said it will be born without a face, will not have a nose, will not have an eyes. That's the way the baby looked in the mother's stomach. And the mother begged when the baby was born, they were gonna just put out the baby. They felt it had no chance to survive. She yelled at the doctor, Don't touch my baby. They put on the stomach, and really with Nisim, tremendous, tremendous Nisim, this child survived, and Baruch Hashem is, is, is thriving, and, and there's something I want to talk about that's relevant to all our lives, it's relevant to this particular Nase, and it's something in Megillah's Esther that, that's very, very Purim. This is like the heart of Purim, and I want to discuss this. So I'm not saying a word. I want to discuss this with the Hebrew. All of us know the Chazal that Esther Amalka is asked by Achashverosh, who is this person that wants to kill your people? Niuzeh, by the party that she makes for... By the party that she makes, so Achashverosh asks Esther Amalka, by Yomer Esther Amalka, mi who is this person? Ve'ezehu. 
Very interesting language. Mi hu zehu. So you have to know what those two questions are. Asher miloi libay lasais came. Who is this person who has this, his heart fills him with the desire to hurt you? She had said that this person, she, she, she said as follows, Me and my nation have been sold, to get destroyed, and she says that there's somebody who wants to kill me and my nation. And Ahasuerus says, who wants, you to, who wants to do this to your nation? Who is it? And Chazal say that she almost pointed at Ahasuerus himself. Oh you! You, Ahasuerus! You want to kill, I'm a Jew. You didn't know who she was, and you want to kill the Jewish nation. So it's you who want to kill me and my people. Hashem made a nace. It says the Malach came and moved her hand to Haman. And that Chazal always bothered me. That Chazal was always difficult to me. Today it's not difficult at all. I would like to explain that Chazal. I always thought she almost pointed at Achashverosh. She finally has him at this party and she's ready to end the threat that is Haman. And you say to him, Haman wants to kill me and my people. If you point at Achashverosh, Avi, you think he's killing himself? If you point at him, it would be the silliest mistake in the history of mistakes. It would be the dumbest thing ever. So what do you, a Malach came with, Esther Amalka, I assume, is very smart. How do I know she's smart? Because Chazal says she might be a Navi. It's a Shailen Chazal. A Navi, the Gemara Nadarim says, needs four things, and one is to be a Chacham. Esther Amalka, who's pr- probably, the Chazal say one shot, she's a Navi, she's very smart. And Achashverosh says to Esther Amalka, who is this who wants to do this to you? She almost points at Achashverosh. Why would she point at him that will ruin everything? Point at Haman. Haman is the one who wants to do this. Don't point at Achashverosh. And yet Chazal say that she almost pointed to Achashverosh and the Malach had to move her hand to, to Haman. There's a, very, there's, a very, there's a very deep concept in the Megillah that's spoken about that whenever it says HaMelech in the Megillah, it refers to Hashem and not Achashverosh. And HaMelech, Achashverosh, Achashverosh. Whenever it says HaMelech, refers to Hashem. I want to just say, the Gras speaks this out here, and it says that here in this Pasuk, it says, the Pasuk says... Vatan Esther Amalka, Esther Amalka says, If I find favor in the eyes of the king, then Amalek Taiv, and if the king so desires, if it's good by the king, she speaks to the Melech. It doesn't say she speaks to Achashverosh. She speaks to the Melech. Now, whenever it says Amalek refers to Hashem, and the Gra explains that. Esther Amalka was praying to God to save her from Achashverosh and Haman. And of course, 
Tachashverus, she said, save me from Haman. She's living on two planes. She's living on the plane of talking to Hashem, Dubi. She's talking to God. She says, Hashem, save me from Achashverus and Haman. And then, of course, to Achashverus, she says, save me from Haman. The great people live on two planes. I was thinking about this story that I told, that, that, about this guy who learned in yeshiva, and him and his wife were dealing with doctors, but recognizing all along that the supreme doctor, the Reifei Cholbasar, is Hashem. And she was trying to deal with doctors all the while, understanding that there's the Reifei Cholbasar, that the ultimate doctor is Hashem. Rev. Henoch Leibowitz, the great Rosh Hashiva of Chavetz Chaim, had tremendous, tremendous pain late in life. And he got an appointment by a doctor in Manhattan It was very, very hard to get into. And the doctor, the doctor some, somehow in the conversation, Rev. Henoch spoke about Hashem is the healer. And the doctor said, like, like, like yelled at him, be quiet, in my, in my practice, I'm the healer. I don't want to hear about God or something. And Rev. Henoch left. The one, I heard it from the one who brought him. The Rav Henoch thanked the doctor and said, I can't be treated here. If you're not masking, now, the great people live, they know there's something called hishtadlus. And of course, we live in a world where we do hishtadlus, where there's efforts, but the understanding that they also live on the plane, the awareness, Hashem runs the world. And the challenge of living on these two planes is what the Chazal are expressing. She almost pointed at Achashverosh as expressing she was praying to God. In her prayers to God, she was praying against Achashverosh. Because that's what she's thinking about, so it's very likely to point to him. Because that's what she's thinking about. She needs a nace to live. If you're thinking about Achashverosh, and in her prayers to Hashem, she's praying. That's what she's busy doing. Praying to God, save me from Achashverosh and Haman. But in her physical ishtadlus to Achashverosh, she can't point to him, so she has to point to Haman. And you need a nace to successfully live on both planes. You need a nace. We all need that miracle. It's not just, and I want you to get in a sophisticated way, it's not just that moment. To live successfully in these two realms needs an ace. I love that Chazal Sebini, she almost pointed to him. It's hard to live both ways, to do ishtadlus in a proper way, and yet to know that it's Hashem that matters. So then the tendency is not to care about ishtadlus, yet we're commanded to do ishtadlus. This point of the Gra is the very story of Megillah's Esther. There's not like a side word to the Megillah. The Megillah is a story that God is controlling all. And all the different forces, there is no Haman, Vashti, Achashverosh, it's all Hashem. And the story of Megillah's Esther is to see that deeper, it's, it's, it's the story that precedes the Pesach, it's Gula, Gula, and Pesach is openly, we see Hashem. Purim is Hester, there's a lot of hiddenness, but recognizing that it's all Hashem pulling the strings. And our job is to like live on these two planes. That Mitzad Echad, I was thinking about this guy who learned in Yeshiva, him and his wife were running to doctors. 
and she's begging a doctor to do a treatment that she needs him to do. And the only reason she's begging him to do it is because of Ramuna Bashem. I want to, I'll tell you something interesting I've observed in my father. I've seen this and I've learned this from my father and I want you to hear this. I think there's something interesting. My father listens to doctors in very like practical ways. The doctor says and he does it. It always occurred to me half of why he's so loyal is he looks at it and it's clear by me. He looks at it that Hashem's the Rafe, Hashem's the doctor. So the Ishtadlus becomes, I'm supposed to listen, so I listen to this doctor. He doesn't, he, th- there's something about the Ishtadlus that he, the Ishtadlus stays what it's supposed to be. This is the efforts. He does it Bishlemus, he does it Gishma, because a, a human being's supposed to do Ishtadlus. And living on those two planes is the challenge and the, the possibility of a yid. And, 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 the, and the, the story of our lives are living on these two planes. The mitzarecha, the person going to work, the in every facet of our life, we have guys in yeshiva involved in shadochim. And certainly we have obligations of ishtadlus. And we certainly do the Ishtadlus, like Hashem's mitzavas living on this world, is we go to the Achashverishes and we have to point to the Hamans and do a certain task. All the while doing this task is with the Hakara. The Hakara that Hashem is running the world, the Rabbani Shalom, what Hashem decides is what happens, and Hashem runs the world. And the, the great nace of doing these two things, of doing these two things side by side, the Rebbe Shalom runs the world. And living with that akar of Hashem running the world, and all the while the ishtadlus, all the while the, the normal ishtadlus of a person, that's like the plane, that's the plane of the, the that's the world we live in, and the greats. The Tzidkaniyas here, the Tzadikim and Tzidkaniyas who, who nailed this art. That Mitzarecha Tachashveira, she points to Haman. Because the Ishtadlus dictates point to Haman. But Mitzad Sheni Tashem, she's davening, save me from Achashverish and Haman. Because in the world, Klape Hashem, the threat is both Achashverish and Haman. And to live on those two planes successfully absolutely takes an ace takes a certain kayak, a superhuman kayak, it actually is nace itself. You're living on the plane of nace. When you live there, you're living that there's more to this world. That is, that is a nace, and you're living with nace, that mitzad echad ishtadlus. It's so fascinating, driving to the doctor, going to the shadchan, and all the activities could reinforce that it's our ishtadlus that's necessary. Doing the ishtadlus in a good way, because we're supposed to be mishtadel. We're people that are put on this earth and we're commanded by Hashem to do ishtadlus. So we go to the shadchan. So we go to doctors. That's lite mishos rapois. We go to the doctor to heal us. But all the while on the plane of Hashem runs the world, not forgetting for a second, the wife said over publicly, there are clips, some guys here have seen where she said over her story, the mitzad echad running to doctors. Because that's the Ishtadlus, but never losing sight that, that we live in a world, Hashem runs the world. The doctors are but Ishtadlus. It's but an effort that, of course, we do. So she's sitting in chap in the hospital there doing Ishtadlus. All the while, the Yidu understands who's tapped into Nase, who understands that Hashem runs the world. 
that the Rebbeinu Shalom runs the world and that's the, the person's praying to Hashem and his makir that the efforts of the human being are only totally on what the Gzairus Hashem is, keeping that hakara. That recognition is the responsibility of a Yid. So I wanted to share that grah on this pasuk of, of, of her talking Tachashverish, almost pointing Tachashverish, but of course ultimately pointing to Haman, that, that two planes is the story of all our lives and our responsibility. It becomes very challenging, you have to remember that, in doing Ishtadlus, it's not just punk she was praying when she was doing Ishtadlus. I think in doing Ishtadlus, you need to pray even more because the danger of doing Ishtadlus is reinforcing that my efforts are what does things. There's a prayer people say when they go to doctors. There's, there's a prayer that's brought down. I think Bedafka praying at those times because we're doing Ishtadlus and we're running to a doctor because we got a Shadchanim because Kach Gazer Hashem, especially on Inyane of Mitzvah. So there's a Shtadlus that, of course, we do. And we do it thoroughly and well. We go to a good Shadchan. We go to a good doctor. The Allah and Shulchan Aruch, you have to go to the best doctor because that's the Shtadlus. And we do the Shtadlus like Hashem was Mitzvah. But ever recognizing that it's the prayers, ever recognizing. I want to say that there's a Medrash, it says. In Sefer Dvarim, the Medrash says for every person who was sent to the war front, one person was sent to pray. Elif, Elif, Lamata. And the Medrash says the double Lushen is one to the base Medrash to pray and one to the war front. One soldier to pray, one to the war front. The S, the, recognizing with each, I, I don't think it's a coincidence, one, 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 one. For each person that you're sending to fight needs a prayer, needs a hakara, recognition that of course we do this shtadlus. And we well pick somebody to fight, but somebody goes to pray. That with, with living in this world is, is keeping in mind and hazarding that the Rabbani Shalom controls. I wanted to share this, this gra on this pasuk with Achashverosh. I wanted to share with the Chevron. I wanted to study something a little bit earlier in the Megillah and really speak briefly about it. It is time for Mincha and Second Seder, but speak about something a little bit briefly earlier in the Megillah. There's, there's, there's a diuk, there's a diuk in the Megillah that, that I think is a very strong diuk that I want to share with you. One of the heart and soul of the Megillah is Mordechai, Mordechai, it's Mordechai's um, not bowing to Haman. And the Psukim say as follows. It speaks about Haman, Vayinaseyu. Haman is raised up and his kisa is raised, Me'alkol HaSharsarim HaSharitoy. He, his position is given a tremendous elevation. All the servants of the king that were in the Shara Melech, everybody's bowing to Haman. There's a tremendous pressure to bow to Haman. In matter of fact, remember the Gra. Whenever it says Amelech and it doesn't say Achashverosh, it refers to Hashem. So Kol Avdei Amelech means the other people on Sanhedrin held to bow to Haman. There were many tzaddikim and greats that held to bow to Haman. They held it wasn't Avoid Zarah, and as such, one should bow to Haman. So Kol Avdei Amelech were bowing to Haman. 
Because so the king commanded. Again, it means Achashverosh commanded. And they held Sanhedrin. That's Ratzin Hashem. Is Ba'otim. That's their Shita. That's what they held. And one person didn't agree. Umordechai. Now here's the Diak, Rabbi say. Bini, it says Mordechai didn't bow, but it doesn't say he didn't bow. It says, Mordechai lo yichra will not bow. Lo and he will not prostrate himself. It should say, Mordechai lo yichra, past tense. This happened already, Mayor. Everybody else do be bowed. And Mordechai lo yichra, past tense. Mordechai didn't bow. Maish, the language that it says, it doesn't say he didn't bow. What does it say? He won't bow. I say he won't bow. He didn't bow, Mo. It happened already, Shui. Why does it say a Mordechai won't bow? Mordechai didn't bow, Nisano. Maish, you ask him to the Kasha. Shmuel, you hear this Kasha? In the Megillah, it's written exact. And it says everybody bowed to Haman. And Mordechai didn't say he didn't bow. What does the Megillah say? Mordechai won't bow. Happened already. It says, Mordechai will not bow. It doesn't say he didn't bow. It says he will not bow. What type of language is that? It's a story that happened. Everybody bowed as he had. Mordechai didn't bow. But it doesn't say he didn't bow. It says he won't bow. What do you say to that, Mish? What does that mean? He won't bow. It says he will not bow. Mordechai lo yechra. Mordechai will not bow. Did he bow or didn't he? Say he didn't bow. David, what do you say to that, Kasha? Honestly, I don't know. Why? 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 What do you say, Mish? But it, it doesn't say that. It doesn't say they said to bow and Mordechai said not to bow. It says, Kolav de Amelech Kayr Mustachim bowed. So it should say, you Mordechai, Loikara. Mordechai didn't bow, Yehuda. But it doesn't say he didn't bow. It says, Mordechai won't bow. It's very good, Ezzy. That's very good, Ezzy. I'm going to tell you what the Gras says, and I'm going to tell you what Ezzy said. And they're, they're closely... They're not... It's not Tupshatim. Binny, the Gras says... There are two ways not to bow. Doobie, you cannot bow. Haman walks in, and you cannot bow, and it looks like you, just, you didn't bow, but it doesn't look like you're not bowing. If you, can, you make believe you didn't see him. A Talmud walks in the room. It's very easy to make believe you didn't see him. So he stood up, and you can't say he won't stand up. He didn't stand up. If it said Mordechai didn't stand up, so it's just maybe he didn't see Haman, and he made believe every time Haman came in, Mordechai got busy, his head was in a safer, he was talking to somebody. Says the gruff, it says Elio, he didn't bow. So that would mean everybody bowed, and Mordechai punk didn't bow. Says the gruff, he made it clear, I see you, Haman, and I'm not bowing. 
Mordechai won't bow is how it expressed. That's what happened. Not Mordechai didn't bow. Mordechai won't bow. That's what you saw if you were there, that Mordechai is not bowing. So it doesn't say, if it's expressed, everybody bowed and not Mordechai, means that would be a fact. You walked into him, everybody's bowing, Mordechai's not. No. Maybe you didn't see. It wouldn't, it wouldn't appropriately express what you saw. You saw everybody bowing, and you saw that Mordechai, he is not going to bow, and made that clear. So it expresses what was seen. You saw that Mordechai will not bow. He stood there looking and he's like, uh-uh. He wasn't, he didn't bow. He, you, hear, you hear this shot, man? So it comes out, it's not just punked Mordechai didn't bow. You experience that Mordechai will not bow. I am not bowing, that's what you experience. So to accurately say what happened, Maish, not that Mordechai didn't bow. You saw Mordechai will not bow. He made that very clear. I'm not bowing. So that's why I'd say he will not bow. You hear what the Graz saying, Maish? Yeah. So how does that express? He sat there and he made it clear. I see you. I see you, Haman. He like got in his line. I'm looking at you and I'm, I'm not bowing. So not he didn't bow. He will not bow. That's what you saw. <laughs> David, what are you asking? That's a great question. That's a great question. David asked that why didn't you go bust a rave? That's a great, great question. Are they making an intelligent decision or are they doing it out of fear? That's interesting. Even in, in there's like the previous stuff, like, I don't know if there's, I don't know if there's true, but like there's like things with Rabbi Yeshua, like Rabbi Yeshua, and like they excommunicate. Can I ask you a question? If if most pais can hold something's mutter on Shabbos and you hold it's usher. Do you, are you mevatel your das to rive? Rive klape the psak for the tzibers rive. If you hold it's usher, so you don't do it. It's a very good shaila when you say rive. Not Mordechai holds this avodah the other Sarajan on that, so it could be clap a psak for Kleis. Well, he's much. Even if he didn't, he felt that he owned him. Say that again? That was a reason for a statement. Could be they could have forced. I mean, that would be a machlaikas. Like Maish said, it would depend. They'd have to argue it out and bring rayas. But maybe in a chanami, if there's a nasi, could force. Or if Gamliel forced to Yeshua. Rabbi, Rabbi, even even if. He did hold that he's a Rebbe Zara. Um, he felt that he owns Haman, that Haman was his. Why would he die on Haman? Haman was supposed to die to him. I'm saying, but he thought that, that from like a... Because the magic... Mm-hmm. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, it has to be analyzed. This sugya of rave of when you say rave, like Maish said, you'd also have to argue it out and discuss... And if you held that they didn't have certain information, be, that question's a valid question. But the Layechre, he won't bow, says the Gruz. He made it clear, not that I'm not, that I didn't bow, but that I won't bow. And that's the nature, how he didn't bow. But as he said, and, and, and is, an important, is an important piece in everybody's own life, is decisions. That the way to stand up to such pressures, there's a tremendous, immense pressure to bow down. Mordechai didn't bow because Mordechai won't bow. There's a decision. If you leave things undecided, let me see. 
let me see, you'll naturally cave in when the, when the pressure comes and every pressure is to bow, so you'll cave in. What helps a person not bow is because he won't bow. He's decided this. It's not left up that I'm going to try my best. He had made a decision. I won't bow. At the point you leave things, I don't know, let me see what comes. So then when there's immense, immense pressure to bow, you'll bow. And it says here that Mordechai, not he didn't bow, he won't bow. There was such a decision not to bow. So it describes the decision, like, and the decision not to bow is what helps him not bow. Mordechai won't bow, he has decided that. So even at a moment that this tremendous, tremendous pressure and danger, and every almost instinct will just be to bow, he had decided not to bow. So it speaks about the decision, not the activity. It doesn't say Mordechai didn't bow, Mordechai won't, but that's I think more in sync with what Ezzy is saying, that he had decided not, is that what you were saying Ezzy? He had decided not to bow, and the ability not to bow in such a moment is because Mordechai had decided, and Mordechai, Mordechai won't bow down. That decision has been made not to bow. So it doesn't speak about the moment. The way to win in that moment not to bow is the decision that Mordechai won't bow. So I like that shot a lot, Ezzy. Thank you. Say that again. With other people really thinking you're intelligent, you get more scared. Calls them Avdei so It's probably out of intelligence that what Mordechai held, he held not to them. But Mordechai was also a Navi. Yeah. He knows things they don't know. Twice, twice. Somebody here, I wanna I wanna say over quickly. It's it's time for Minch, but I wanna say quickly that somebody was Mechaben in this year to the Maral. Yehuda Lerfeld's father, who's a Yehudeya Sefer, who knows a lot of Torah, shared with me that a guy here was Mechavit to the Maral. So I want to say, I just want to give credit, because I didn't, when a guy said it, we went weiter in the shir. And we asked the Kasha that, Achash, that, that when Achashverosh, this, and, and Hama make the Gzair of Kli, of destruction on the Jewish nation, so Mordechai sends Esther right in to the king. And we asked, why did he, why did he send her right in? Wait till she's called. If you go in uncalled, you get killed. Wait, there's 11 months till the Xera. Wait till she was called. So the Maral, Yehuda's father said the Kasha from the Maral. And he said that once Xera is chal, they had just made the Xera of Klee against the Yidden. And once Xera is like, is chal for a while, it becomes harder to annul the Xera. And so a guy said that in the shir, this idea that he said, go right in. He didn't want the Xera ready to take hold. That Xera takes hold. And Rev. Lerfeld, Yehuda's father, quoted this from a Maral, that he sent in important that Esther should go right in before the Xera takes hold. 
He said that spiritually, once the Gzeira takes hold, it's different, and you have to quickly work to annul that the Gzeira is not like, it was just made the Gzeira of Eistice at the beginning, it's still possible to uproot. There's a certain point that once the Gzeira takes hold, it's not as simple to annul the Gzeira. So somebody said that in the Shir, I wanted to mention that they were Mechabim to the Maral. Menachem, you remember who said it? Elio Pearl said it? Excellent. So I do feel to mention that that's, that's the sheet of the Maral. I want to... I do want to... I want to invite the guys that there will be Beis Hashem tonight with food. We owe Lel Shishi with food. We're having food yeah, delivered up. Yeah, yeah. So there will be Blinad, there'll be a Lel Shishi in the base oh, Medrash tonight with food. We'll begin at around 11.20. 11.15, will be a Lel Shishi in the base Medrash with food. All are invited. Mincha next door, second Seder.